This is Community Roundtable, a production of .com Plus, 105.5 FM WNSP, 92.1 WZEW, 96.5 The Crab, and 92.5 The Soul. Here's Kelly Finley. Good Sunday morning and welcome to the Community Roundtable. I'm Kelly Finley, very excited to talk to you and always excited to introduce you to leadership in our city. Many times you think you know, but maybe you don't know, but this is the purpose of this Community Roundtable is that you're able to understand really how the processes work when it comes to living and working and having fun in the city of Mobile. As I do each Sunday, I have my guests introduce themselves and tell you their names and their organizations, and then we get right to the conversation at hand. Good morning to both of you. Good, Good morning. morning. Okay, who's going first? I'll go first. I'm Officer Katrina Frazier. I work for the Mobile Police Department as a public information officer. Welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. And I'm Chief Paul Prine with the Mobile Police Department, recently appointed as the uh, Chief of Police. Welcome to the show. Very great to have both of you. You know, I've really wanted to do this interview for some time now, especially with you um, being newly appointed to your position, because a lot of times people in the community they think one thing. I mean, I know as a journalist, we know what people think about the news business. Right. And so instead of guessing and hemming and hawing, we're coming straight to the source to better understand how things work with our city. So, Chief, talk to me about um, where are you from and how did you get to where you are now? Well, that's a long conversation, <laughs> but I'll make it uh, brief uh, okay. best I can. I grew up in Pritchard, Alabama. Mm-hmm. I went to Viger High School. I graduated in 1990. Subsequently to that, I uh, finished my education. I have a bachelor's degree in business administration and a graduate degree in criminal justice. Uh, I worked my way up through the ranks of the Mobile Police Department, and um, I've covered roughly 25 years uh, in just a, a few moments of time. But um, as a part of that process, I gained a lot of experience in criminal investigation, major crimes, Assaults and sex crimes. Uh, I've worked all the community housing projects at one point in my career, uh, so I'm very versed on community-oriented policing. Uh, I have uh, worked throughout various uh, factions of the police department and gained a lot of experience and well-rounded within all the aspects of the criminal justice system. And I think it's important to lay that foundation before we get into this conversation because it, it, you serve the entire city. No matter where people live, their zip right. codes, if they're in the city of Mobile, then you're their police chief. Right. Okay. Officer Frazier, how about you? Well, I'm from Atmore, Alabama. I graduated from W.S. Neal High School. I obtained my undergrad here from University of Mobile and received my public administration degree, master's from Troy University. Oh, all right. And again, I love knowing the foundation because people don't understand how many years it you have poured into your respective careers to get to where you are. They see the after, right. but they didn't see the before. Yes. Um, so what is the mission of, of the police department as a whole now that you are chief? Well, the, the mission of any police department in the country, obviously, is intervention, uh, prevention, and enforcement. Uh, that is our primary goals. We take on a lot of ancillary responsibilities, um, and we could get into that, whether it's the victim's advocate detail where we help victims and through that process. But our primary mission with me taking over is obviously is to reduce the violent crime. And so as we move forward, we have to figure out what the best strategy is to do that. 
Violent crime, Kelly, is uh, a complex issue. I think if there was one solution, um, we'd all be very wealthy at this point. Uh, but it, it really takes uh, the understanding and all the different parameters of, of what contributes to that violent crime and then being able to use your resources to deal with it. We know that for those who have been keeping up, I mean, the homicides are on the I mean, the wrong side of these numbers. They're, they're an uptick as opposed to going in the other direction. And, of course, everyone thinks they have a solution. Right. They, they really do. But what can people do now? What do you recommend from a neighborhood watch standpoint, um, getting more involved as citizens? What What are you recommending as a, as a citizen yourself? Yeah. Well, you know, that's really a great question, and I'm glad to answer it. Uh, the biggest thing that we can do uh, as a community is stick together. Uh, you know, when we look at crime, sometimes we look at it from the news perspective, and that's we're inundated with crime, not, not only locally but nationally. We have to be the, the eyes and ears. And when I say we, uh, me as a citizen included in my own respective neighborhood, we have to be able to be the eyes and ears for law enforcement. If if things are array or, or, or afoot in your neighborhood that are criminal in nature, at some point, we have to get involved. And so I would encourage uh, the citizens of Mobile uh, to exercise that, to call us directly. And I can assure you, when you make those phone calls, even anonymously, we take them very serious. Uh, but community engagement is huge, and it cannot be understated. And I do want to mention to those who are listening, you know, for those active investigations that are going on, you as a police force have a united front when it comes to your answer because you want to make sure that jobs are able to be handled correctly. That is correct, yes. Okay. And so if someone were to ask you about an active investigation or, or have questions about something that's in the process, what what is your answer? So with investigations, a lot of times, especially the media, they want to know, the community wants to know what's going on with an event. We have to be careful not to put that information out premature. Um, when we develop suspects, those defendants have rights, uh, whether we like that or whether we don't like that. And at the end of the day, you know, our job is to make solid cases. So when we do get that conviction, it gives us leverage on the back end should that person be reintegrated back in the community and how we're able to treat them should they reoffend again. If we come out with information too premature and we wrong, we taint the investigation. And so we have to be careful. And I know a lot of times the public is like, well, that's, that's their standard answer is it's under investigation. Well, it really is. And we have to be careful to uh, and to reserve our judgment until all the facts are in. You know, perception a lot of times, in my opinion, is people's reality and it's their truth, but it's not really always truth. And, you know, certainly I've been a police officer for 26 years and I've seen that as well. And we all have to fight that. But at the end of the day, we have to reserve judgment until all the facts are in and we can make um, uh, an accurate determination of what happened. And, you know, you mentioned the power word there, information. Uh, officer Frazier, I, I feel like you're like my best friend because <laughs> I get an email from you every day, every single day as to what's going on in the city. It's important that you get that information out. Will you explain the process as to how do these press releases work or how do the you know overnight recaps work? Because, again, the community loves to know the behind the scenes of what you do, what I do. Help us understand. Sure. As you know, as a public information officer, my job is to act as a liaison between the Mobile Police Department and the general public. 
And part of that process is placing the overnight recaps out every morning. That information is obtained from officers that are in the field going from call to call. And once they have a significant event, they gather that information and they send it to me and I'm able to disseminate that information to the public. How important is that to get that information out in the timely fashion that you do? It's extremely important, but as Chief Prine said, it's more important to get the facts out. We don't want to be premature. And I know sometimes the media will call me and they'll ask for information and our officers have just arrived on the scene. I can't provide you any detailed information because everything is fluid. It's ongoing. So I just ask for their patience and allow me to gather the information and make sure that I help them to maintain their journalistic integrity by giving them the correct information that we can disseminate to the public. And that matters. Um, And I know that receiving the email is one part of it. And then receiving updates. You'll send an update on top of the original email. I mean, as simple as that sounds, it's brilliant. Because as a journalist, I'm trying to work on all my stories. And I can't remember when you posted the first story. And so the fact that it's there, you streamlined it. And and you're very accessible. And I'm I'm appreciative of it. And whenever I've had follow-up questions, you you know, you've been available. And I think that's key is communication with all of this. Everybody's not going to be happy all the time, but at least if we can understand that the, that the wheels are churning. Exactly. And it is a very hectic job at times because I have to go back and research things that may have happened six, seven, eight months ago to find that recap. So as you mentioned, you don't have to go back and figure out what happened when this individual was convicted or arrested. That information is made available to you from when it was initially presented. So how long have you held your job? Well, I have been in this position for Just about six months. That's it? Yes, that is it. I came from domestic violence Uh as a detective. However, prior to that, I was actually on the field. I had my own beat in Tillman's Corner. But a lot of my intuitiveness and the way I interact with the public comes from my previous job at Parks and Recreation. I was always involved with the community. I did a lot of public engagements. So I know how important it is to give information, but give accurate information because I live in this community as well. And I want to know that the things that are coming over the radio or television is accurate. And I say that's it because it it seems like we've been talking for years now. (laughs) (laughs) I wake up to, hey, Katrina, I have a question. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) but but it's so so important to be able to communicate with the public. Um, So, Chief, what was it like? So I know there's a time when there was an interim police chief in place and then you got the call. Walk us through the call. What 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 were your emotions? I know you're very proud family man. Um, How did that all go? Yeah. So, you know, I guess it was probably about a four month process and we went over a a battery of psychological exams and and interviews with various panels uh, to get there. And I guess it was really taxing, to say the least. But nevertheless, I I was flattered and honored, Um, flattered and honored in the way that, uh, you know, the mayor himself, um, you know, would put his reputation on the line for me. And that is a big deal for me, and it's humbling, and yet I'm grateful at the same time. And to say to say that I'm humbled and flattered and honored is all an understatement. There really aren't the words, but he certainly took a chance on giving me that opportunity, as well as Chief of Staff Barber and certainly Public Safety Director uh, Lawrence Batiste. So moving forward, um, you know, you have mentioned you know, when you've spoken to the media, and of course, um, you know, doing your announcement that you have plans. You've got plans as we look forward. You have a strategic plan. I do. Um, help us understand that. 
So there's really, um, you know, when I when I created the strategic plan, it was really uh, simplistic in nature, and I did that because we have roughly 500 officers, and I have to be able to sell the plan to a, an array of officers from various backgrounds cultures and and education levels and so as we went through it i said what can best define my plan and so i came up uh, really with uh, three objectives to uh, to address our mission statement which is to make the city of mobile the safest city in america with respect to everyone so as I, de- as I define the plan, the first one really comes down to intelligence-led policing. And it sounds like a catchy phrase, but it really has meaning. And what it's designed to do, Kelly, is for the executive-level staff members at the department to review timely information and data of where the crime is occurring, being able to adjust our resources to that particular area or time frame, uh, rather than take it a, a blanket approach, what does that mean? A blanket approach, these hours work 12-hour shifts, and I can tell these officers, hey, you're having uh, vehicle burglaries in Midtown. And, you know, okay, well, they understand that, but over a 12-hour shift, there's a lot lost in that communication. So what we do is we define when we need them in that particular area. And so if you have a particular area that's approximately – you know, five or six blocks and the issues going on between midnight and four, then we don't need to give a blanket statement that you're having a problem. Now we can direct those resources where the problem is when the problem is occurring. The second part of that strategic plan is is something you've always heard, and I think the Mobile Police Department has certainly done it uh, since the mid-90s when I came on, and that's uh, community-oriented policing. Community engagement is huge. Uh, It cannot be understated, and we cannot fight crime uh, without the public's help. we got to have it. We've got to be able to roll out surveys that will give us information as to how the public sees crime Uh, because perception, as we talked earlier, is just as more important sometimes as data is. Mm -hmm. And the third part of that plan is really the one I'm most proud of is the standards of excellence. And you say, well, what in the world is that? So being on the department for 25 years, certainly being on staff uh, for the last nine years, uh, we would be remiss if we didn't identify issues such as attrition and what the real problems are with attrition. We can never fix the problem in the community until we fix our problem in the in-house. And so as I went through this process of being selected, uh, I did my own investigation, if you will, and I found out that there were three things that I guess become an issue, and, and that is really the, the lack of leadership, lack of fairness and equity within the department, and certainly lack of communication. And so that's what we plan to address. Those three that you just mentioned right there. I mean, as as the new guy, but not really the new guy, you're coming in with this with this bold ideas, really. Right. Um, how were you received by your force? You said nearly 500 officers. How How was this message received? Well, so th- right now we're still promoting additional staff members. We just uh, selected our new assistant chief, William Jackson. And so the plan uh, has been kind of rolled out in stages. And But we have met with roll call. Uh, the line officers seem to be ecstatic about it. They're excited about it. You know, when we talk about things of fairness and equity, not to be confused with equality, <laughs> but it gives everybody a level playing field to perform, to shine, and to progress within the ranks of the department. And I think if we give people a fighting chance, I think the public will eventually see that as it manifests itself out toward 
the public. Do you think for both of you that you command a different level of respect because you've walked those streets, you've been in that uniform, you know the beats, you you know the the heartbeat of the city? Well, I'll answer first, if you don't mind. Um, I think for me it does. I've worked um, the north and south side uh, as an officer my entire career. I've worked all the housing community projects when they were in full gear and implemented a lot of the cop programs that were in place. And so when you get out there and you're involved in the community, you no longer have the ability to sit on the sidelines. Now you're engaged and you see what it is that the community is looking for. And I think I bring that advantage. And certainly the public knowing that uh, also gives gives me leverage with the public as well. Katrina? And I can say working in second precinct, you get a greater understanding of what your community is expecting of you as a police officer. I've gone in and I've spoken to seniors and they have sat down and told me, hey, one of the things that I'm concerned with are the number of walkers we have at street at night. Some have even said speeders along Nevis Road, for example. So you're able to convey that message to other members of our department so that they can address that. And we work together as a team to solve those issues that our community have, because it's our community that we must answer to. And we must be ready to answer that call when they need us. We took an oath, and that is to protect the city, good, bad or evil. That is the oath that we raised our hand to. And we said we were ready for that call. So. I enjoy being a police officer. I'm ecstatic to be working for Chief Pryan in my new position. And I think we're going to, as a team, Mobile Police Department, be able to bring a lot of good changes to our community. And they're going to see how we're here not only to help them, but how they can help us. So when you were younger, when you were little, Katrina, were you, was this your goal? Was this your dream? As a matter of fact, my dream was to be in your spot, Kelly. I wanted to work at a radio station. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, we can make some things happen. I know some people. I know some. We could do a segment, a spotlight. Very interesting. Well, I mean, you're doing in the same vein. I mean, I need you. You need me. We're we're a team in a different type of way. Chief, how about you? Did you grow up wanting to be chief of police? Uh, Well, I I grew up wanting to be a police officer. Um, It sounds a little cliche, but growing (laughs) up in Pritchard, um, obviously, you know, I've seen a lot of injustices coming up as well. You figure in the mid-80s was about the height of the crack pandemic, and you know, without getting into law enforcement and or the lack thereof in Pritchard at the time, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of things, a lot of injustices. And for me, it really was about I had that sense of wanting to help people that necessarily couldn't help themselves. Well, I think you're both living in your in your dream and your yeah. goal. I mean, job well done. Looking at your background, and for those who want to keep up, you can go to thecityofmobile.org to see um, the background of the announcement when Chief was uh, pointed to his position. But I thought this was very interesting. I had no idea that you were shot multiple times right. in the line of duty um, and with some very serious injuries. Yes, ma'am. Um, if you can go into some sort of detail without compromising any names or people or the case. Right. Sure. Well, well, October 21, 2001, I was on midnight shift, uh, in the third precinct and, uh, long story short, uh, there was a domestic issue or disturbance at uh, a nightclub that was on St. Stephen's road. And we responded to it subsequently, um, me and a couple of other officers were shot. I was shot three times in the back, uh, lost a left kidney, 
And so it, it was a, a tough time, certainly in my career, but there were other officers as well that were shot uh, as so, a matter of that incident. So this is 20 years ago? Uh, last month was 20 years ago, yes. Time oh, flies. Wow. Seems like yesterday for me, but, you know, 20 years ago is, is two decades, so... Oh, yeah. my goodness. And yeah. yet you still push forward and still wanted to be even more involved. I did. And, you know, I, and I have to say this. And I hope I'm not out of line, but the good Lord uh, spared me in that incident. So at the end of the day, you know, I was only out of work for a couple of months. I came back to work and I've been pushing forward ever since. And it's very okay. This show is on Sunday for a reason. So we're all about the faith. I appreciate you mentioning that. My goodness. So, um, you know, as we look forward, what do both of you see um, for the city in your respective roles? um, As we, you know, we're getting closer to the holidays. We're talking about a new year. Mardi Gras is coming up. What do you want the community to know? Well, I I want the community to know, and I think you've started off this uh, segment in that way, is that I am the chief of Mobile, but I am the chief for all Mobilians. And so what I want folks to know is that you have an advocate at the police department. Regardless of how small you think your problem is, somebody will be there to address your issue, whatever it may be. And if we can't help you, we'll do everything that we can to direct you to the proper resources that can help you. Good stuff. And as public information officer, I would like for our citizens to know that we will continue to get them information as quickly as possible. But our goal is to make sure the information is accurate. And as Chief Prine stated earlier, that we do not compromise the case so that your loved ones will be able to get justice. And it's always good, like I said earlier, to hear directly from you because people may, whatever they want to think, when you can better understand the process, I think that that really helps to help you to understand how things work. And and it's not personal, but yet it is because it's something that matters to you. Um, When it comes to your officers, how can the community support them? I know many times people want to say thank you in different ways. The pandemic has really impacted how, you know, the access that we have. What can we do to say thank you? Well, I think the the vast majority of the community does, and they do every single day. What I would ask the community to do is is we're not going to tolerate corruption within the department, and this is an unorthodox answer. But I also want the, the the city to know that to treat our officers with respect. And I think if we learn to do that with one another, I think you know the community will see a different force of the Mobile Police Department going forward. Mm-hmm. You you say that's an unorthodox answer. Why so? Well, because when you say, how do we thank officers, most people will say, oh, pick up a meal for them or tell them thank you. And, you know, the vast majority of the public does. But unfortunately, most of the citizens' contact with law enforcement, unlike maybe with the police, uh, correction, with the uh, fire department, is usually uh, not in the best way or sometimes adversarial. And we understand that people are about their business every single day. But as these officers go out to do a difficult job every single day, we want the community to know that they're doing that job even for them, even when they are law abiders. And so if we learn that mutual respect for one another, I think it really goes far. I can assure the public that going forward, that is a part of my standards and excellence and how we treat 
the community. I think it's important. I think um, especially, you know, we have three teenagers. And one of the biggest concerns being a mother, um, you know, of children of color is what's happening nationwide. And so it's very scary to have to have a chat with your child um, about the importance of what to do when you drive and when you're pulled over. And, I mean, there's there's a struggle between that relationship, between – uh, people of color and those in law enforcement. Right. You know, and I'll tell you this, even with my own children, and I have three children of my own, and they're all drivers. And I will tell you this, that um, I've even had the conversation uh, about respecting law enforcement. Uh, you'll never be able to settle a difference or an argument on the side of a road on a traffic stop. And even like I've told my own children, there is a process where one can make a complaint if an officer is disrespectful or his demeanor isn't proper or if he does something illegal uh, to any regards. But trying to resolve that at the time that the officer is trying to do a job um, is certainly not advantageous to the public. Absolutely. You know, I I tell our children that that officer wants to make it home safely, too. Sure. Absolutely. You can be you can be right later. Right. (laughs) Let them do their jobs. And how about organizations um, that the that your police officers are involved in from a community standpoint is the ways to to build that relationship with with the community? I'll let Katrina answer that. Well, many of our officers, I know in Second Precinct, we will have donations that were brought over to our precinct, and we would go to those neighborhoods where we knew there were kids that were underserved, and we would take those toys out and turn lights on, sirens on, get on the speakerphone, have them to come out, and we would have them pick whichever toy they wanted because we had a range of toys from fire trucks, police cars, (laughs) Barbie dolls, what may have you all sorts of games and many of our officers they take the time out when they're riding their beat to get to know the individuals in their community to make those moments of contact that will be long lasting with our youth and that's so important it's a difference maker yes it is do it do i have time to plug in bridge the gap you sure do listen that is a part of the uh, chief strategic initiative and bridge the gap is we're working in the mobile county public school systems and we work with various children from all the schools and what we do is just an opportunity for us to get with the kids uh driver age high school age and it gives them the law enforcement perspective we run them through scenarios like traffic stops and we let them pretend to be police officers so they can see why officers do the things they do but it also gives them an opportunity to express to the officer okay well this is how we feel if you stop us and it really is a great program bridging Bridging the gap gap. yes ma'am absolutely for our educators that are listening um how can they get more information so uh, they can reach out to miss katrina frazier or to director curtis graves uh who is over strategic initiatives for the chief's office and we've had um curtis graves on the show great good great young man and all that he's doing in the community (laughs) and last but not least as we wrap up i would like to know from both of you uh, what's your message is to your own personal families for all that they have to deal with as you are both on the front lines serving our community well i guess my message would be because my family was very concerned when i decided to take this second career to become a law enforcement but it was something i felt very passionate about as a matter of fact, I became a police officer at the age of 48. Wow. Yes. I decided to switch careers. Like I mentioned earlier, I worked at Parks and Recreation. I saw the negative impact that our youth was having with police officers in the community center. And I decided to invite 
the police officers in to have a conversation with them to explain what they do on a daily basis. And it was from that connection, I decided to switch careers to make a difference within my community. So I would say to my family, thank you for being patient with me. Thank you for traveling along this journey with me. And I appreciate love and adore them for allowing me to live my dream. That is wonderful. And I'm sure many people didn't know that, but they know it now. Thank you for sharing that, Officer Frazier. You're welcome. Chief? Well, that'll be hard to follow up, but I'll try. (laughs) I know. We're all in our feels right now. Right. So at the end of the day, for me, you know, I want to thank my family, um, in particular my wife. Uh, Over these years, being a a spouse of a police officer is tough. Shift work is tough. Uh, The lack of pay is tough. Going to college full-time with a family is tough. And she's been there with me through thick and thin, and I probably, well, I will go ahead and say it's a fact, I wouldn't be here today had she not been in my corner. And to that, I love her, I love my children. Thank you, Chief. Thank you for sharing that. It really helps people to understand not only what you do for a living, both of you, but who you are behind the scenes. And I'm really appreciative that you joined sure. me today. Thank what? you for having us. Absolutely. Anytime. Anytime. <laughs> until our next email. Right. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to this edition of the Community Roundtable. Keep it tuned to the Sound of Mobile Station. Coming up next is 251 Now with Kelly Finley. You've been listening to Community Roundtable, a production of .com Plus, 105.5 FM WNSP, 92.1 WZEW, 96.5 The Crab, and 92.5 The Soul. Tune in next Sunday at 7 a.m. for another edition of Community Roundtable on the Sound of Mobile.